Hey there, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Susan DeCenzi. In today's episode, Attachments and Letting Go, we're going to dive deeper into not only the continuation of my journey of that eight months on hiatus from my life and my work and the show, but also what I really learned about where I was attaching to things and how I began that process of letting go. And I think it's super important because I know that you probably have attachments to things and have struggled with letting go. I couldn't be doing what I've done in my professional career over the last 24 years if I didn't say that a majority of my clients in some form or another over time have struggled with this whole attachment thing and let it go. People say it's so easy to just let go, but sometimes we just don't feel capable of letting go and we're not sure how. And so today you will learn some of that process on how to begin letting go and how to recognize the things that you're attached to. If you want to reach out to have any kind of conversation or join my Facebook group and connect with others, please feel free to reach out to me, susan at susandesunzi.com. Let me know that you're interested. We'll have a very short conversation and maybe we can continue this together in the Facebook group and continue growing and evolving. I hope you enjoy today's show. Alrighty, man, that attachment word brings up a whole lot of stuff for me throughout the course of my life because I didn't really realize how much I was attaching to things. Now, I, I knew about some of the attachments I had, and I'll share a few stories about that in a little bit. But I wanted to start off with saying that, you know, attachment has that funny kind of vibe to it that for a lot of people can be very, very different. I'm attached to this favorite shirt that I love because every time I wear it, I feel good in it. I'm attached, you know, to not wanting to throw it away. I'm attached to my relationship because I really enjoy my partner and I love the way we work together and we live our life together. And I would hate to see that disappear and change. So I think the big thing for me is during the course of my eight-month hiatus and a lot, and I mean a lot, of introspection and self-reflection in my depressed state, in my feeling stuck state, in my frustrated state, I came to be, you know, very clear about the fact that I was truly attached to how I had to be as a business person and as a therapist and as a podcast host and as a wife and a mother and a sister and a daughter and a friend and all the roles and labels that I had learned to buy into. Now, I know that I have talked about before how, you know, I had let go of a lot of those roles and I did kind of put them in places on a shelf in my heart and in my mind's belief system and kind of let go of the attachment to those, a lot of those specific roles that, like I just mentioned. 
But I didn't realize until this eight months of illness and really diving deep within myself, how I was still attached to even illness and how I used the illness as a way to kind of protect myself safely from being rejected and being hurt and being seen as unlovable or not worthy. It was really powerful and really very deep. And I remember during one particular day of kind of being up all day and up all night, just periodically sleeping 10 minutes at a time here and there or a half hour at a time here and there as the pain allowed. And I was basically, you know, living on the couch for many of those months, again, unable to basically sit upright and just watching reruns of like Law and Order and Criminal Mind and whatever mindless TV I could have on to just distract me. I remember this one particular night where I don't know if it was a show that I was kind of half-acidly watching or whatever. I can't even remember that piece. Where all of a sudden I had this thought that I am attached to my illness. And again, at that point, we didn't even know fully what was going on. And I remember asking myself, like, Susan, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean you're attached to this illness? Of course, you don't want to be sick. You don't want to feel the pain. You don't want to feel bad. You don't want to have stopped your life in all these ways. So what the hell are you talking about? And I had this kind of conversation in my head with my current self, and then this kind of part of me that was being the observer and questioning and and asking me that question. And as I sat with it a little bit longer, I realized that I was attached to how illness, whether it was a cold whether it was, you know, a backache, whether it was, you know, a medical condition or a diagnosis of some kind, how I was attached to the illness as a way to stay safe. Now, that could be a bit of my, I don't know, some of my old belief patterns kicking into play because of some of the traumas that I experienced and how I didn't feel safe during those traumatic times and experiences, and how I was then using a coping skill of like illness as a way to ensure that I wouldn't be unsafe and that I couldn't be hurt, right? But it kind of didn't make sense to me at the time because I was like, God, why, why would I want to invite this in? Why would I want to be sick? And I didn't consciously think of it like that. I mean, I wasn't sitting there like, oh, I'm going to be ill now so that I can avoid things in my life and feel safe and secure. But as I dug deeper and asked some deeper questions, which, you know, I'll share with you in a little bit, I realized that it was really about how I was using illness as a way to stay safe because I was more afraid of how others would see me in my full, authentic, unstuck self if I really put myself out there. And so as I started getting closer to that success, to that place 
even back in December of 2020, it, it, I think scared me on a very deep level that I wasn't consciously aware of at the time. And I think that even though this medical situation had been growing and building for a couple of years, it came to a head as a way for the universe to kind of, again, hit me with that two by four to either pay attention to it and really dive deep into the emotional and spiritual and, and mental and psychological pieces that were a part of it, as well as the physical pieces too. And so I remember sitting there kind of in shock as I was having this kind of mental conversation with myself back and forth, like an actual conversation where I allowed my own mind's thoughts to answer the questions and to inquire with more questions. And it just helped me to really understand the depth of this attachment. And then I also realized, which I had known years before, that I had been very attached to other things throughout my life too. And one of the examples that, you know, the stories that I want to share is when I was doing my undergraduate work, I had a professor who was also my research professor. I was his research assistant for a couple of years. And at the time, my mother was actively in her stages of illness, and we knew from day one that she was terminal. And I remember being a bit overwhelmed because I was taking care of everything for both my parents. I was taking my mother back and forth to chemotherapy several times a week. I was taking my father back and forth to physical therapy several times a week. I was doing all the shopping, all the cooking, all the cleaning. I was doing everything. I was working full-time. I was going to school full-time. And I had a very small child who had some special needs. And I don't know to this day, people ask me how I did it all. I don't know. I just did. It, it is what it is. It was what it was. I just had to do what I had to do. And so I was a bit overwhelmed and it was a midterm time. And I remember going to the professor and asking him if he could give me just a little extra time for the midterm because I was just so overwhelmed. And he said, sure, absolutely. He understood the situation at home and he knew what was kind of going on for me. And he said, you know, ultimately, what do you want to do? And I said, well, you know, I, I would love to be a therapist. I want to move on after, you know, I'm done here to graduate school and get my PhD in clinical psychology. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, yeah. And he goes, you know, no offense, but with your age, I think I was early 30s or something. He said, no offense with all that you have going on in your age. Have you, you know, kind of taken into consideration that a PhD, the average, would take you about seven years and it will be, you know, a large amount of money and an incredible amount of time. And I said, yeah, yeah, I, I'm aware of that. And he goes, okay, uh, have you ever thought about maybe getting your master's in social work? And my smart ass self said to him, why the hell would I want to do that and become a caseworker for DCFS forever? Which, if you don't know what DCFS is, it's the Department of Children and Family Services in our state. 
And he looked at me with this very kind of, you know, cockeyed look. And he said, is that all you think that they do? And I said, well, yeah. And he goes, okay, smartass. He goes, go research it and come back to me when you have a different answer. So it took a couple of months, you know, and I went back to him, tail between my legs. And I said, wow, I didn't know that social workers could do so many different things, that they could do therapy. And he's like, uh, yeah. He goes, look, what's the ultimate goal that you want to do? And I said, ultimately, I want to be a therapist to help others, to help them learn how to help themselves and to help them move through the things that have held them back and caused them to feel stuck and not live their infinite potential and possibilities. And he said, well, you know, you've learned now that social workers can do that too. And quite honestly, again, no offense to your age, with the expense, the time, and all that you have going on, don't you think a two-year program and then some experience and supervision working afterwards before you sit for your licensing exam is far better than potentially seven years where you still have to do another year internship before you're even allowed to sit for your exam. And I said, oh my God, yeah. But the problem was, is that I walked away from that meeting with him feeling energized about this potential that I had this other option now. But there was this part of me that was so attached to getting that PhD that I felt like I was settling for less, right? And it bothered me. I did ultimately go to graduate school, get my master's degree, do the work experience, get the supervision, and ultimately sit for my license. But the truth is, it took me years after I did that, to even tell people that I was a social worker, that I had a master's in social work, because there was somehow like an embarrassment with that because I hadn't reached the higher level. I hadn't gotten the PhD. And I was very tied to that credential because I gave it a very specific meaning. I gave it the meaning that by getting my PhD, I had somehow achieved the top. I had gone as far as I could go with education and degrees. I've achieved this level, and I will now be called doctor. And somehow in that doctor title, I felt an inherent meaning about my own value and worth that said, I have achieved the top. I've reached the best place. I There is an inherent credibility in that, and people will look at me with, with credible eyes and trust me and like me because I have this PhD. And as I talked about in a previous episode where I I refused in my medical situation of recent times to not just trust the doctor because of their title, it hit me this spring as I was recognizing that I wouldn't trust them just because of their title, how I had been so attached to that PhD doctor title before, and how I thought that that was going to give me this credibility. But it also taught me how I was still, as I talked in the first episode back from my hiatus, Dear Susan, I talked about how I was also still hiding out. And I didn't realize until one of my coaches asked me, 
do you think you're hiding behind the therapist's label? And I'm like, no, 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 you know, I, I, you know, no, I mean, it's just what I do, right? And as I thought about it, and I reflected on it, I realized that I was attached to the therapist label also, that somehow this therapist label meant that I am credible and I am worthy of people's inquiry as to whether or not I can help them just because of that title. And I realized how bullshit that was. So it kind of, you know, started many, many years ago in my undergraduate work with my professor and my recognition of my attachment. And then it went on for years, feeling embarrassed about what I had achieved and yet wanting to, you know, go back someday for that PhD, because then again, it means that Susan has reached the highest level and is a good, a good enough person. And it kind of, you know, led into then this awareness that I was attached to the illness or illnesses as a way for, you know, to to keep me protected and safe. I was attached to the label of therapist and other things. And I went, okay, so now what? Right? I have worked my life to learn how to let go. And I always used to use this example with my clients of picking up the pen in front of them. And I I would ask them, hey, can you try to pick up that pen in front of you? And they would just pick it up. And I would say to them, but I didn't ask you to pick it up. I asked you to try to pick it up. And they would look at me very quizzically like, I don't understand the difference. And I'm like, well, trying is a state of commitment and non-commitment, right? So imagine, do this right now for yourself while you're listening, if you can, unless you're driving, of course, don't, don't be unsafe, but pick up something that's near you. Okay, great. You just picked it up and then you set it back down. Now imagine you trying to pick it up and your hand is hovering over that item. Let's just say it's a pen for ease. And you're trying to pick it up. Your, your hands hovering above it. You're actually not actually picking it up, but you're also still hovering over it, hoping to pick it up and trying to pick it up. Well, I realized that in my work within myself over the years, and even with clients, in in sharing with them and teaching them how to let go, I had spent a lot of time in my life, trying to let go of some of these attachments to like, say, illness. I I had let go of the attachment to the PhD way back in undergraduate school, but it still bothered me for years. And I worked through it and finally let that piece go because I dismantled the meaning of it, right? I, I looked at the meaning I gave it, and then I broke it all apart and said, does it really mean that you are credible or worthy or good enough just because you have a PhD. And I came to the conclusion that no, that was not the truth. So it was easier than to let it go. I didn't have to try to let it go anymore. I just 
released it and said, this no longer means this to me. And I can now be happy and satisfied with what I have achieved and grateful for what I've achieved, right? Well, then when this illness kind of came about and all of a sudden I'm faced again with taking a look at what I'm attached to, and I see that illness is something I'm attached to, and the title of therapist is something I'm attached to, and even the idea of a podcaster and what a podcaster's success looks like, there's all these little nuances and pieces that I recognized. I I was even attached to how healthy I thought I was, meaning You know, I ate relatively healthy a lot of the time and sometimes ate really horribly. And so I was attached to the fact that, wow, I I thought I was doing fairly well for myself overall. I was attached to I'm a very spiritual person and I'm very consciously awake and aware. Why would I be attracting this? How did I attract this? Why would I be going through this? I come from this deeper place, blah, 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 blah. And so in that recognition of all these little and big attachments that I had, I then had to begin the process of saying, okay, how am I going to let this go? Really let it go so that it no longer causes me fear, which I then hold myself back because of that fear Again, that fear of rejection, that fear of seeing that I'm not lovable or I'm not good enough, I'm not accepted, whatever it kind of was for me, I realized that I was also attached to a belief system that because of some of the past trauma and experiences I had earlier on in my life, I had come to believe that I had to prove to others that I really am who I say I am. And that somehow in proving that to others, if they didn't acknowledge it or validate it or accept it and give me that feedback that they saw me for who I really am, that somehow it meant I wasn't really who I was. I would almost like believe them more than I would trust my own self internally. I mean, there are countless things that during this eight months, I have learned that I was attached to, that I could do probably five episodes on this alone. And so in this process then of beginning to let it go, I had to pick apart kind of each attachment, each piece, each meaning, and really kind of dive into the truth of it and say, is this really true? Is this really true about me that because I have this therapist label that others will find me credible or trust me more because of that label itself versus, say, the label of coach or the label of, you know, being in service or the label of teacher or the label of guide? Like, I was spending so much time trying to find the right thing to label myself as this podcaster and this business person and this therapist and coach that I was, again, like I said in a previous episode, I was getting caught in the details. 
And that in and of itself was an attachment, right? That I had to know the details and lay it out and kind of plan it all out in order to move forward. In order to kind of just show up as I do, as I am, who I am, and allow those that need to hear from me that something I say helps you move forward in some way or move through something, not, you know, I wasn't trusting that piece. I kept thinking I had to define it and put a meaning on it and a value on it. And so, in that process of letting go and deconstructing and dismantling those meanings, I came to the awareness and the conclusion that I just fucking need to show up, right? And and if that means turning on this microphone sometimes and just not rambling, but kind of sharing what I'm going through in that very moment or something I've just experienced, I'm going to share that. And the interesting thing then about letting go is that it became easy. Just like when you pick up a pen and you make the conscious decision to open your fingers to let go of the pen and allow it to drop, it's the same thing. That it was really then about me letting go of these past beliefs and these past attachments, and that it didn't really mean what I had come to believe it meant. It didn't mean anything about me as Susan, about me as a person, about me as a human being, about me as a woman, about me as a spiritual being, as a human being, as a therapist, as a coach, as a podcaster. It it didn't mean jack shit about any of that. And I've said this before, that nothing truly has any meaning save for the meaning that we give it, but I wasn't walking my own walk. I wasn't really living that piece because I was giving a lot of meanings to stuff that some of it I didn't even really know I was giving meaning to. And so in the kind of process then of dismantling it all and beginning to let it go, now there's kind of this space where it's like, well, fuck, then who am I? How do I show up? And again, I found myself slipping back into the, oh, how do I show up? Oh, I need to this, or I need to do that, or I'm supposed to this, or I'm supposed to that. Even though I don't buy into the supposed to's and the shoulda, woulda, couldas, I still was kind of doing that because fuck, I'm human, right? We all are. And so I had to step back for a minute and just say, who do I want to be? Who, who do I feel I am inherently at my core? And at my core, besides being a divine being, I knew that I was integrity and love and compassion and empathy. And I thought, okay, if I just show up as this loving, compassionate, empathetic, caring person who, with integrity, truly wants to help service those who are looking for some additional help to move forward in their life so that they can truly feel empowered and stand in their full potential and possibility, then I have to do the same. And so that process kind of over a couple of months then for me of letting go got easier and easier 
as I became more adept at understanding the meanings that I had given these attachments. And so it's even like the example I used in the very beginning, right? You know, something simple like a shirt that you really love because you feel really good when you wear it. All right, so what's the meaning you're giving that shirt? Wow, I really like the way it looks on me. It looks really good. I feel pretty in it or I feel good in it. I feel strong. I feel this. I feel that. I think this. I think that. Again, whatever those things are for you, you have to kind of plug in for yourself. But the truth is, does that shirt really give me that? No. A shirt is a piece of cloth that's been sewn in a particular way. So if there's a reason that you're attached to that shirt, such as I like the way I feel in it and I think it looks really good on me, but the shirt now has holes in it and you feel so attached to it that you're like, oh, I I just, I'll I'll fix the holes. I don't want to let it go. It's really then about a fear that's underlying that, that says you won't find something else that looks equally as good on you and that you feel equally as good in. But is that really the truth? Is it really a fact that you will never find another piece of clothing that that you feel as good in again? Probably not. And that's where I had to realize that whether I change the label or title of who, like the work I do or how I describe it to people or how I, you know, express what it is that I do that that label change doesn't mean anything, right? That it, it, it doesn't give me more credibility. It doesn't cause me to be seen differently in other people's eyes. Maybe for some people, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. But you know what? It, it's not important because that's not who I am. I am much more than the labels and the titles and the credentials and the attachments and the experiences. And if I just show up as who I am, and I just allow myself to be present and to be authentically who I am and recognize when I'm hiding out and recognize when I'm hiding behind certain meanings and attachments and labels and titles and all that kind of stuff, I think that I will be much happier. Not that I'm not happy. I'm pretty happy. I'm a pretty happy person, but I think there'll be more peace and I think there'll be more abundance in all avenues of life. And I think there'll be more joy and more happiness and more, you know, well, less stress, really just more freedom overall. And so some of the questions that I asked myself were specifically, what meaning have you given this? What, what does this mean to you when you say therapist? And I'd write down, oh, therapist means uh, someone who's experienced, someone who's credentialed, someone who's degreed, someone who has education, someone who is a professional, someone who has been given you know, the knowledge and, and whatever of how to help a person through this XYZ thing. But the truth is, it doesn't give you any of that. You go through some schooling, you get this education, you play the game the way they tell you to play the game, you get the degree, you do the supervised 
you know, years of, of work. And then you sit for an exam. And if you are a good test taker and you remembered a bunch of shit and you studied hard, you can pass the test. And then you're given this license and you're told, hey, you can go practice on your own now. But that does not mean you're a good fucking therapist. And that holds true for coaches, too. You can have a coach who's certified, went through the education, did the case studies, got the certification, and they could be a horrible coach. So I I think that we can get very caught up in the roles that we play, which are attached to the titles, right? And then we become attached to that. And that becomes a part of our identity that when those roles shift and when the labels kind of go away and the titles kind of go away and the meanings kind of shift and change, it can rock our world and make us feel like we don't know who the hell we are. And so I think the biggest lesson over this eight-month time frame when it comes to attachments and letting go for me was about how I need to stop defining myself by these external things like labels and titles and credentials and how others may, you know, see me through a particular lens and just sit down and decide who I want to be and who I know I am based on how it resonates for me. And whether you call that kind of an intuitive hit within your own gut, if you're getting caught up in attachments to things that are external to you, you know, your job, your roles that you play, you're a wife or a husband or a mother or a father or, you know, a friend, an employee, an employer, a business owner, an entrepreneur, what, you know, podcaster, whatever labels you and roles that you play that you've kind of given yourself. If you take a look at what the meanings are, you've given them by simply asking, what meaning do I give this? What does it mean about me? If I say this title, this word, this label, what does it mean about me when I wear this shirt? What does it mean about me that I drive this kind of car? What does it mean about me that I have this particular job with all this prestige and I make, you know, six figures a year? Again, doesn't mean anything, but you and I have given it meanings that then can hold us back and stop us And cause us to have trouble letting go, cause us to feel stuck, cause us to hide out, cause us to feel like we are not living our authentic self. You see how this is all tied together? Oh, God, and there's so much more, too. So another question that I asked myself specifically was not just what the meaning was that I gave it, but what happens if that meaning or role changes? What does that say about me? And how do I feel about that? And in looking at some of that, it became much clearer to me on how to begin really letting it go, not just dismantling and deconstructing the meaning for yourself, but also how you felt about that. And that's why it took me several years after I got my degree in social work to even say to others that I was a social worker. I had to work through that over the course of a few years to allow myself the realization that I hadn't settled for anything less because it was a master's degree in social work versus a PhD. 
or or a PsyD, which is just a doctorate of psychology, that I was still doing the work I loved and still practicing the way that I was choosing and wanting to practice, and that the degree itself wasn't a definition of me in any way, shape, or form, even though I had given it that meaning for so very, very long. And so it took those few years to really find a comfort level in that and to recognize that it really didn't mean that at all. And once I was able to do that, I easily let go of that attachment to that title and to that experience, to that idea that I had to have a PhD to prove that I was good enough and that I had reached the top, whatever the top is. Because, you know, I don't know about you guys, but the bar is always going to change. You set a bar this high? I mean, geez, take a look. We just had the Olympics not too long ago, right? Look at how many world records and Olympic records were broken. It's a bar that says, hey, you know, you go here, then you've kind of achieved this, but you can always go a little bit more. And yet, if we compare ourselves with that kind of measurement, that bar, and we're so attached to what that means, then we're going to always struggle with letting go because we're going to always struggle when that bar changes. Like, oh, no. I finally reached that bar, but now you're telling me it's an inch higher? Jesus, I I worked so hard all this time just to get to that level. I don't know that I have it in me to go an inch more. And so that was, you know, kind of a part of this, you know, journey for me in this recognition that I'm not who I kind of was boxing myself into by some of the titles and the labels. So now if you met me on the street and you said, hey, you know, Susan, really nice to meet you. Hey, what do you do for a living? I wouldn't tell you that I'm a therapist and a coach. I would tell you that I'm a producer and host of the Spiritually Expressed Human podcast. And I would tell you that part of my mission and purpose and goal on this planet is to help people live as their fully expressed, infinitely potential and possible self. And that I really teach people how to learn how to help themselves. And that's really who I am at the core, is that I help to reinstill belief in yourself, hope, inspiration, trust within yourself, all the things that have kind of gotten muddied up through time, through our life experiences that caused us to feel like we weren't capable or we had to settle for less. Just like when I talked about not giving up and having the resiliency to not give in with my own medical situation, it's the same thing in life, right? So I hope that you know, some of these questions really help you understand where you're attached to something. And if that attachment is causing you some negativity or some pain or feeling of stuckness or held backness, if it is causing you some trouble in some way, some struggle, some challenge, and you kind of know that there is 
something to it, but you're not really sure how, then I just simply invite you to ask some of those basic questions and trust that you will find the answer and come to a place of your own recognition and be able to then begin the process of letting it go and changing the identification of it and the meaning of it. And of course, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't always say this every episode. If you're struggling with anything and you need a little bit of help, whether it's through the Facebook group or with me directly, reach out to me first at Susan at SusanDesunzi.com and let's have a short conversation about it. Let's get you into the Facebook group. Let's get you connected with other people who we together can share our experiences and our struggles and help one another. I really believe that's why we're all here is to help uplift and support one another in our continued movement forward and our evolution. For now, I hope you have an amazingly fully spiritually expressed week and be who you are and know yourself to be. And I will see you next week. Ciao for now. You've been listening to the spiritually expressed human where conformity is not an option. Getting out of the box is critical and spiritually expressed means becoming the badass of your life while attaining freedom and inner peace. If you're ready to start that process, go to SusanDesenzi.com and click on the free gift tab to get started. You can also get the link in the show notes. Thank you for being here. And if you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on your platform of choice. Until next time, be the spiritually expressed badass you are meant to be.